Welcome to Indoctrination, a weekly conversation series about protecting yourself from systems of control. I'm your host, Rachel Bernstein. I'm really happy to have you hear the second part of my conversation with Audrey Brewer today. Audrey works in marketing by day and lives in the Carolinas in a tiny suburban farm. She is the founder of an organization in her home city that serves as a resource for homeless women and girls. And she's an artist and spends her free time gardening, painting, and doing farm chores. Like many people around the U.S., Audrey spent multiple years in a mostly female MLM, multi-level marketing scheme, ascending through the ranks and loving every second of it until she didn't. As she simultaneously removed herself from the ultra-conservative religion of her childhood, she quickly felt herself questioning many of the practices of the MLM, of which she was a part. MLM support, she found a silent void of information and stories. Though she knew there had been many, many people who had left before she did. The absence of these stories made her feel isolated and concerned that there were others out there feeling the same shame and or confusion that comes from leaving an MLM. It is her hope that someone, through the telling of her own story, will feel less alone in their own MLM story. Here's part two of my two-part conversation with Audrey. Well, I think because there's this sense that if you just stick with it, you know, the what you're going to be working so hard for is just right around the corner. You don't want anyone to stop you before you're just about to get whatever they're promising you. And people in MLMs are always so close. And so that is something that is so addictive. And so it keeps people hanging on. And there is this notion of intermittent gratification. It's the thing that actually makes gambling as popular as it is, because you will get a payout every once in a while, and then you'll work really hard. You'll put more money in and you won't get anything. You won't get anything. You won't get anything, but you don't want to leave the table or you don't want to leave the machine or you don't want to whatever, stop doing whatever you're doing. And so there is something that these groups know that they can tap into that is part of human nature. So if you go and someone is just, you know, putting in whatever more coins and now it's done electronically, but they will be afraid to leave and they'll watch to see if someone sits down at that slot machine just to see if they're going to get the payout and they're nervous and and because there is something very all-encompassing just in terms of how you get drawn in in the waiting and the hoping and the wishing and then how much you're going to berate yourself if you stop just short of whatever it is you're promised, even though what you're promised usually doesn't come to fruition. But there's also this thing that gets set up where you can feel personally attacked, like here your boyfriend is saying something somehow about you uh, when he wasn't. And so to have that perspective over time, to realize it's not an insult, it's because he cares. Right. And he's just sort of wanting to have you potentially look at it that way too, without the emotion involved, which is an, it's, it's an impossibility actually in the moment. All right. So I'm, I'm wondering also about before we go to the, you know, it's kind of the moving away from it and what, what sort of started you thinking about leaving and how it's been since then, you were saying that you learned 
Um, and now in retrospect, you saw how manipulative you had learned to be, Yeah, which is how it is. Cause you're, it, especially if it's hierarchical, you're going to be taught what works and you're also going to try it out and do a little trial and error and see what really works. And so what are some of the manipulations? Because this is important for the social psychology to learn about it and also all the techniques of influence because sales, if whether you're selling a product, selling a belief system, selling whatever it is, it's almost identical. So what were some of the sales tactics, some of the manipulations that you used? I think the biggest one, and I think they all kind of stem from this one, is that the success of your business has to do with your mindset. This was the ultimate manipulation in an MLM. I refer to them frequently as the mindset mafia, which is not exactly a positive term, I realized, but that's all I got. Um, where they're telling you that if you're not making sales, it's because your mindset isn't right. And okay. if you're not... If your team isn't doing well, it's because you're not leading them correctly. And if um, you're not making rank, it's because you're not being social enough. Or if you're not this, it's because you're not that. And those two things are often not related at all. Mm -hmm. At all. Like how much of this product I sold has nothing to do with my inherent worth as a human being. However, since I had completely taken on the role of this certain rank, let's say it's a higher rank and I'm like, yeah, I'm this rank and I'm feeling completely identified with this rank. Mm -hmm. My whole life is getting to the next rank. Mm -hmm. so part of the manipulation is that you kind of have to, everything about your business becomes who you are so that if your business fails, you have failed. Everything about who you are. Is uh, okay. um, and that's, it's not true. It's not true. Like when we say it out loud like that, we're like, obviously that's not true. It doesn't feel that way when you're watching other people move up the rank in your team. You're seeing them like, yay, getting cheered on by so many people and you're not. I know of many people who have been like, I really thought I was just a shit human being because I couldn't get anyone to buy from me. And at the time I couldn't be like, it's not your fault <laughs> because most of the time it wasn't. I had to be like, hey, have you read this book about, I don't know, how to win friends and influence people or whatever, because right, right. they were doing something right. Like clearly if their mindset was there and if they want it, they could get it. It kind of goes along the same lines of this attraction marketing, um, that if you are positive and open to other people, they'll be open to you and there will be very reciprocal, reciprocating mm -hmm. beneficial relationship. Um, mm -hmm which generally is not the case. Generally, there's someone benefiting and someone not benefiting. Yeah. But they like to present it that if, you know, if you have the right mindset and you go in trying to make someone else's life better, not to make mm -hmm. money, but to make their life better. Right. You know, ultimately you'll succeed. And if you're not, then you're not doing that. And, okay. And then what happens if you thought someone was hesitating or they said, you know what, let me get back to you on that. And they weren't willing to make the commitment right away. Were, you, were they given the space to think or did people have to make a commitment right away? Um, I will say in our, in, in, in the one I was involved in, um, it was actually kind of, there was never no pressure. It was minimal pressure when people um, were presented the concept of, buying into their own business, being their own boss. Um, we called, I don't know if I can say this. You'll have to decide if you've heard this term before. I don't know. 
Um, we called it offering them the opportunity, oh, yeah. Yeah. which is so gross. Like we're selling them a product. We're not offering them anything. We're offering them the opportunity to make us more money sometimes. But like we present it to them as if they were to say no, who wouldn't want this? You know, who mm -hmm. wouldn't, who they must not want that much for themselves. They must be fine being in debt. They must be cool with not having whatever. I don't know. Um, but it was very much a, if there were doubters or if there were people who you asked to be on your team who didn't want to be on your team, mm -hmm. sometimes they would say no. And that was great. Then you just wouldn't waste your time. Um, sometimes you would kind of nurture that relationship and just check in like no pressure. If you ever have any questions about it, I'm here to answer your questions. Mm -hmm. Cool. Done. And that's kind of the route I took most of the time. Cause I'm not going to convince someone to do something like I'm just not that person. Mm -hmm. Some people were, I wasn't. Um, but we kind of, we kind of related it to like when you're at a restaurant and a server comes around after dinner and she's got a tray of desserts and she's like, would you like to try the mint pie? And you're like, no, I'm full. And she's like, oh, okay, thanks. Uh, no problem. Mm -hmm. I'll go to the next table. And like, mm -hmm. no one's feelings were hurt because you didn't want the pie. Mm -hmm. So we're just like, cool. We just say thank you next. And we cross them off our list, our literal physical list of 100 people we could sell a kit to. Mm -hmm. That existed. Um, it was called the list of 100. You cross them off the list and you move to the next one because they said, no, thank you to your dessert. And it's not personal. You just move on which is funny because it always was personal. It always felt personal, but we taught our team not to take it personally. Okay. You know what I'm saying it's very, right. There are times when you would go one way and times when you would go another way. And sometimes you're telling them to do totally different things at the same time. And I can see how it happened to me as someone who was listening to a leader, but I know that I probably did it too. Yeah. Well, okay. So even though it can seem like, you know, two different things at the same time, it, very specific in how you differentiate between the two because one is a negative and one is a positive as I see it so one is about you know having sort of a personal sense of responsibility and caring about it and the other one is that you're not supposed to take it personally meaning you're not supposed to have a negative reaction um you're not supposed to get defensive you're not supposed to do all the things that come with taking things personally which would get in the way which would be a drag so I think it goes back to sort of all this positivity um, and really cutting off that part of you that's having that normal response to things and potentially taking things personally. I think they just sort of, that, that was going to get in the way of uh, being able to kind of move forward. You know, the, the terminology also about having an opportunity, it's more of that kind of general amorphous, that what does that look like? Can we put that into numbers? No. Uh, and and when is that going to happen? Don't know, but it's an opportunity. And you can make it what you want it. And, and it can be yours. And if you don't, then you probably didn't want enough. Probably didn't dream big enough. Like that kind of manipulation there. So you didn't want enough. You didn't dream big enough. You didn't, what else? What else would you be told is wrong with you that you didn't spend enough time on it or you didn't buy enough product or what What would it be? Yeah, that you were you went into it with a negative mindset, so you only got negative results. It would be said in different words, obviously, but that's kind of the, the message is that you had this opportunity to make this what you wanted it. And look what you made it. Is this what you wanted? Kind of, if not, then change it kind of thing. Um, for me, changing it meant leaving. But that was 
that was the rare, that was the exception to the rule. I felt intense. I will say I felt, I really felt a responsibility to the team that I had brought into the business. That's what I struggled with the most is letting them down and saying, Hey, I didn't have all the information I thought I did. And now I do. And what I told you at the time was not intentionally untrue. Um, but I see things differently now and I need to adjust accordingly. And that's kind of how I told them I was leaving. Um, but it took months. It took months for me to record that video. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people who I work with deal with the fact that they do feel like they abandoned, um, for some people it's abandoned the cause if it was cause-based or if there was a team they abandon their team or they abandon their community, their new family, uh, they abandon their own dreams. Um, but when you're a person with a conscience, the thing that's going to matter most to you is how your decisions are going to impact other people. Right. And so that's just, a, that's a given. And so then when you made that video, it seems like you needed to be able to explain something, which is absolutely true that you didn't have the information that you had then when you were making the video, when you decided to leave, you weren't given that information and that would have been fundamental and important uh, from the start. And I think people are not treated ultimately respectfully in groups like this because they're not given the information. And then they're put in a situation where they either disappoint themselves or they disappoint others. And I think that's a really unfair burden to put on people. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And so tell me about that time. So when you started making that shift and you thought, okay, this is not for me anymore, what was happening? So um, I told my sponsor uh, that I was really having doubts, which it's a business, like, come on. Okay, but it's the way I talked to her really sounded like I was trying to leave a religion. Like it really did. And it, it's so strange. And I talked to her about this all the time, but the language we use is very similar to that. Um, I told her I was having doubts that I was really questioning whether or not what I was doing was right. Um, I was having some moral concerns about how I'm encouraging my team to do one thing when I know it, I have ulterior motives, perhaps like I need five people to do this one thing so that I can hit my rank because I've already done my selling. I just need them to do it. So now I got to encourage them to do it. It just felt it started to feel really gross. And so I talked to her about it and she and I have always been really close and I've always been pretty open about how I really felt, which is rare, I think, in an MLM. A lot of people feel like they have to kind of answer to their sponsor. Never felt that way with her ever, not ever. I will say that. Uh, and I tried not to do that to my team because she had modeled that for me too. I tried to walk the line of not, especially toward the end. So January, 2018, I told her, I'm having doubts. I'm confused. My boyfriend had just started kind of talking some of this through with me. It had been a few months and I'd been, you know, cranky about it. And some of his stuff kind of started to land. And I was really how, realizing how much time I was putting into this business um, and how much time I was investing in the people below me. But I don't know I was investing in them. I was dedicating a lot of time to them. I called it investing in them. I was meeting with them to teach them how to sell products. But I told her and she said, she, from the very beginning said, whatever you do, I support you no matter what. She also had kind of been feeling some of this um, push pull as well, turned out. Cause when I mentioned that, she said, yeah, I was really struggling with that one thing as well. Like something happened. I don't remember what it was, but I remember being like, uh-uh, that's not it. That's not a thing. 
Right. Uh, yeah. And apparently she had also felt that. So talking to her was really a relief, but I cried. Uh. I cried for a week straight because I felt like I had lost. I felt like I had like broken up with someone, you know, that's kind of that, like, this was part of my day. And I talked to this person every day and I called them on my lunch break and I looked at posts about this person or whatever, creepy, but whatever. Um, and then suddenly that thing wasn't there. And I had to be like, okay, who am I outside of this thing? And that was uh, the serious part of all of it. So, um, because I just identified so much with this business and with the rank that I was, and I was proud of it, you know? And so I'm like, oh man, I have all of this space. What do I do? <laughs> um, but she was always very supportive. My sponsor was. Um, so January, 2018, I talked to her about that, but I didn't officially quit selling until January, 2019. I was in the running for a big promotion in the beginning of 2018, which I got, and my team was doing well. And so I was trying to, I was trying to find a way to balance some of the things that I felt I was doing that just didn't feel right with still making money in the business and trying to find a way to make those two things work simultaneously. And it took me about a year to realize it, but it's, that's not possible. I made sure I had rules. I made sure not to tell people that they ever needed any of the products that I sold because not a single product was necessary for existence that I sold. And I never told people they needed this product. I told them if they wanted to buy it, that I'd sell it to them, but not that they needed it to be whole or beautiful or whatever. Um, and that's something I really am proud of. I will say that I'm really proud that I did that. As I tried to escape the business a little bit, it tried to kind of pull away from those things that made me kind of ugh it became more obvious that I was not going to be able to have one foot in the door and still be successful in that way. Kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to shift the team dynamic and still be successful, but yeah, I realized I couldn't, I couldn't align my morals, my moral compass with my business anymore. Um, and so January, 2019, I completely quit selling. I took, everything off my phone that was related to this business. I blocked, I took everything out of my favorites. I signed out of my like back office or, um, and that took a while because I had to unfollow all these people on Facebook and I had to leave like 250 groups. And like, I think I'm still probably 80. Like I, I can't, I, they just pop up. I don't know. I still can't get rid of them, but it took a lot of like actual physical labor to leave the group, but I didn't tell my team when I left, I just disappeared because and in the beginning, I didn't really know what to tell my team, to be honest. Like part of me felt responsible for making sure their businesses kept running, even though their businesses also completely conflict with my morals because their businesses were modeled directly after my business because we taught duplication and we taught to, you know, when you sponsor someone, it's your job to mimic correct behavior so they learn how to do the business too. And that's what you mean by duplication? Is that the term? Because I know you that's a term that we talked or was in an email. So I'm just curious. So the concept of duplication is you have a framework of business. You have a product, a way to sell it, and the structure around it. And when I bring someone into my business, when I sponsor them, I share the opportunity with them and they accept the opportunity. I bring them in, I love them, I tell them how great they are and how excited they're going to be, how, how successful this is going to be if they really dedicate themselves and, and how glad I am that they're there and they get in. And then my job is to teach them exactly how to build their business the way I built my business. 
I share with them graphics that might be helpful. I teach them about the ingredients and the product if I know about them or, you know, how to sell. I teach them this thing. So I duplicate my process to them so that then when they sponsor somebody, they can teach the person beneath them that process. It's called duplication. Just being able to literally replicate your business over and over and over. Right. Yeah. And that's why they call it a pyramid scheme is because eventually it kind of makes this shape no matter what. Um, I hate that term, but that's kind of where that came from is, you know, one at the top and more and more and more and more. I think the word pyramid scheme actually turns people off who are in pyramid schemes. It's not helpful. You know what I'm saying to them for it's very negative kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like too much of a put down. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a little bit like a, like a judgment more than like, I don't know. It'll, it'll shut people down if you use that term, but um, okay, good to know. they like multi-level marketing and they like attraction marketing. Those are the two terms that they like. Um, so duplication is really important. Um, and it's how you build a big team and a big team means big profit. The, the bigger your team, the faster you can move up. That's how that works. And then, you know, you start over in the beginning of every month. So you start again every month and over and over. Right. Uh, you know, the attraction marketing idea, yes, that is an, another technique of business and influence and, um, people go towards things. Well, they gravitate towards what's familiar mm-hmm. and they go towards people they like. Mm-hmm. And that's why people who do recruiting are usually eminently likable, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes attractive. Uh, there are a lot of things that draw people in. Um, and that keep them there because, you know, you feel like they're, you've either been specially chosen or that you have something really in common with these people. And so it keeps the, the attraction is also a release of endorphin. And so it just feels good. Uh, okay. So, but here you didn't tell your team, you just started sort of phasing out and what happened? I, so I did the majority of my selling on Facebook. Um, as most people do, I think in these things now. So I just stopped posting about this product. I completely on my main page in my team page, I told two people who were on my team who would end up inevitably picking up my slack because I felt they needed to know that's what was happening. And they were like, you know, we're, we're here for our team. No problem. Like you've taught us really well. If you need to take a step back, you know, we can handle the team. That's fine. Hence duplication. Like I train leaders to lead for me. So when I left, like the world didn't shatter actually, like no one died, you know? And I was sure that actually the people who took kind of took my role over in my team, I thought that they would really resent me. And I remember there was a moment where I almost like phrased it like, this is your chance to step up and lead. And I was like, no, that is me doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That is me doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't that. It was it was saying like, hey, I'm having some concerns about this business. Yeah. And I don't know if it's right for my life. And I think doing the next right thing is me not being publicly in the group for a little while and getting some headspace and seeing what I want to do. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how it began. And then after about two or three months, they messaged me and they're like, okay, people are starting to ask questions and we don't know what to tell them about where you are. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's not your job to tell them. I'll do what I got to do. Like it's not it's not your responsibility. So I posted the video in my group that basically said, this is the hardest video I've made ever to date in this group and I care about each of you and this has nothing to do with my personal relationship with any of you. It's just what's right 
for me moving forward. Yeah. I did not mention that I was having any moral concerns because I didn't want to trigger any negativity mm-hmm. that would trickle down and affect people in the group. So right, right. I wasn't totally transparent with that video, but it was enough that people were like, okay, pivot. We're going to go and and we'll leave her alone. And so it kind of got people, it let my team feel like I was including them in this process. Yeah. I had included them in everything else. So why not this part? And so I think after that, I kept getting like trickle in orders just for people who I didn't talk to, but who knew my website and would go and order things. So it took until September of 2019 for me to be officially off the books, but um, I didn't actively post any sales, anything. And if someone asked me if they could order through my site, I sent them to somebody else because I've never had an addiction personally to a substance, but like I likened it kind of to someone who's trying to quit drinking and they're at a barbecue and someone brings them over just one beer that just one eyeliner or whatever could be that just one beer for me. And I couldn't do it. I really knew that if I crossed that line, it would be over. And that's so stupid. It's so ridiculous to me. Like, logically it sounds crazy but in my head it made a lot of sense and I'm certain I'm not the only one that's felt this way but um no not at all it's a conditioned response actually because we don't talk about anything negative in the MLM I didn't know if this was a character flaw or if this was me having legitimate concerns so and and because we couldn't talk about anything openly really honestly and objectively sometimes it made me, I def, I felt really alone. I felt like I was the only person in the world who had felt like if they left, they were failing or it said something terrible about who they were as a person or they were letting everyone in their lives down. And so it's, it's interesting because I initially reached out to you because I had been listening to your podcast and heard so many of these similar things for people who left, you know, religions or, um, I don't know, self-help kind of things or whatever. And I was like, yeah. I was going through this process while listening to your podcast going, huh, there are so many similarities here, um, just in the mindset of adjusting, just in your head. Yeah, let's talk about that because I think, first of all, when you were saying you included your team in everything, oftentimes within these kinds of organizations, you know, people, there, there are no boundaries. So they're, they're involved in every facet of your life. You share everything, you sh- share sometimes about everyone. And, and so in that way, it, again, that's not the way it, should be in business but in these it becomes very personal um and then you have this sense of community and closeness and suddenly you don't you, you can feel this huge vacuum as soon as you leave there's also going back to this idea of uh being like handed a drink the conditioned response i think is that you and maybe this is also part of your personality which makes you good at business uh, but, but can be capitalized in these kinds of groups that once you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. And so you are not necessarily going to be able to say, okay, I'll do this one last sale, right? Like that last cigarette or whatever, you know, because then it will trigger this part of your brain that's now back in it and you'll get ramped up again and pumped up again and feel responsible. Plus also it's going to trigger other people to know that you're still in it and then it's going to be harder for you to resist more and more requests right so it's very hard to do total abstinence um, when you're leaving something like this but also because i think you're used to being busy 
And that's one of the things that also is hard for people when they're transitioning out to just have some restful time and to not feel like they're wasting time. And because um, you're used to going and going and going. So I'm curious about what the challenges have been and also maybe what's been helpful as you've been dealing with some of these challenges. So I grew up in a house with um, a mom who owns her own business. She's very much a go-getter. She's, I mean, I, I really love this woman. She's just very business savvy and has always been just that type A, get out there and make your, make your life happen. I, I have a similar personality. So like, you're right. If I'm going for something, I'm going for it. Like, I'm not going to have to it. And I think part of that is I put my personal self-worth in line with my productivity. Mm -hmm. um, so you're right. When that wasn't there anymore, I suddenly had six hours-ish a day where I wasn't looking at my phone. And I was no longer this rank. Like I was, I mean, I guess I was technically, but I wasn't actively in that life anymore. So I was no longer this specific rank that I was so proud of. So now I was just me again. And it felt like a different life. Like it really not recording everything and not posting because I need to get my three posts in at certain times every day to make sure that the analytics within Facebook organize my posts at the top of people's pages so they see it when they're most likely to be on. I mean, this is how depth, how in-depth our kind of marketing strategies got. So I had all this time and all this headspace and it was, it was really not fun for about a month. Um, I also, since I was selling a product that was skincare and beauty related, I frequently got used to seeing myself on camera looking a certain way. Um, and so when I stopped using these products, um, I kind of just quit wearing makeup completely mm -hmm. for a little while. And I had to really get used to what my face looked like again, which seems so crazy. But I, I did a full, I have a friend who's a wonderful photographer and he did a full photo shoot with me with like completely no makeup on. And I remember being like, I had no idea that's what I looked like. I mean, and there was, there was kind of that. So I had to get used to what my style was when it, when I was doing it for me and not for a product, not to sell a product. Like would I, would I normally wear this lipstick? Probably not ever. Mm -hmm. There are certain colors I just threw away like two days ago that I was like, why have I held on to this? Um, so there was that I had to find new hobbies, which was not hard for me because I've always been one that can kind of entertain myself and I like to learn new things. So that was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of the empty space in my head, um, it got really loud in there when I felt like I wasn't being productive or I wasn't, um, you know, paying off any extra loans, which I wasn't anyway. But like in my head, it felt like I was, wa I was wasting my time. I was, mm -hmm. I had no purpose. I had no direction. I couldn't even really talk to my friends who I thought. I mean, some of them are very much my friends still, but I couldn't talk to the people I really wanted to talk to about it because they were still in it and I didn't want to influence them negatively. And um, my boyfriend clearly hated the MLM thing. So I felt very awkward. He didn't really make me feel this way, but I felt strange talking to him about it because I didn't want to and I told you so. Um, not that he would have given me that, but I think I internalized his, I told you so without him saying it. So it's just not fair to him, but I, it was really hard to talk to people and there was such a sense of shame that I had been selling this idea for three years and suddenly it wasn't true. And I felt like for three years I was lying all of a sudden. And I didn't want people to, I didn't want people to make 
form opinions without all the facts, but I didn't want to give them all the facts, which was not fair. Or I felt like I couldn't um, give them all the facts for legal reasons. I'm terrified they'll come after me, but yeah, it, it really, I had to completely decide who I wanted to be now that I had all this space. And um, that was both really exciting, but also really terrifying because what if I chose to be this person and people didn't like me? Like, what if they expected the person they saw on Facebook and they saw me out in public and I'm not a super bubbly person, like I'm not, right, right. I'm not that person. And so mm-hmm. uh, I really had to figure out who I was and then I had to figure out who they would accept, which in retrospect is, you know, silly, but like they had accepted this version of me for so long if I shit overnight, would they be like, wait, what was that for three years? And what is this now? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I have no idea. You know, I also mm-hmm. would like to know if you would help me there, that would be great. Um, so I didn't have a lot of answers. And that was another part of leaving is that there was all this space. There were all these questions. People had so many questions mm-hmm. because it's rare that you see someone leave and talk about it. And the fact that I didn't come out right on my Facebook page and say, I'm not selling this anymore. I think probably caused more questions than I meant for it to. Um, I kind of hope to just like fade into the distance, but mm-hmm. uh, the people who had been watching me every day for three years noticed because they had been watching me every day for three years, you know? So that was part of the struggle of leaving was having to explain to those people, like, I meant what I was saying then, but disregard all that, you know? Now we're doing this now. Come with me. Like, why would they? I some of them did, which is mind blowing, but, um, I wouldn't have blamed them if they had been like, uh, nah, we're good. Like we bought your bullshit for three years. We're good. Uh, and that was a really, that was a, that was a deep fear of mine is cause I don't want people to feel like I'm bullshitting them. Like that's just not who I am. So, um, yeah, there, that was part of my, my fear of speaking, even like to people I know much less the world, but I know I'm not one who feels this way and the fact that you get emails about other MLMs I don't think I've even told you the MLM I'm in which or I was in which is great but the fact that other people are messaging you and saying here's what I'm feeling too kind of makes me feel better a little bit so hopefully someone can hear something I say and they're like yeah oh I get that like that's happening here Yes. So I hear about MLMs a lot and no, you haven't told me the name of it and that's okay. Uh, If you ever want to, you're welcome to, but the important part is that what you're experiencing is, it it was not typical in your life, but it's typical for MLMs. So people talk about losing this sort of dream and, um, and the high that came with it. And you come crashing down from that high. There's no way to not to because anything that you leave that has that level of intensity and hopefulness and the right around the cornerness uh, is going to be very hard to leave. And it is like coming off a drug, but without tapering, you're just coming off of it. And it's very harsh for your system uh, and your psyche. And uh, it's hard to relax the brain, relax the mind. There are a lot of people who contact me who were involved in MLMs who who kicked themselves uh, for how much they spent of their resources and how much time they spent uh, for w- without anything to show for it. 
And that's going to be true of a lot of things when people get into a relationship they shouldn't have been in or whatever. A lot of people have time and effort they put into something that didn't quite pan out. But I think the questions that people are asked, it's probably the hardest part because mm -hmm. you don't know how to answer those questions because you don't have a sense about what just happened to you. You don't know the mechanisms, the techniques, the manipulations, the uh, all of it. So you might not even have the words to use to describe what just happened to you. You know that it just did. And it wasn't, I mean, not that I'm trying to absolve you of something, but still, it wasn't that you were lying from start to finish. You were given information mm -hmm. that had some benefit to you every once in a while when you used it for yourself and there was some payout. Like if you had never made a penny and you were convincing other people that they could, I could see that being kind of an issue, a bigger issue with your conscience. Like I could tell that it was nothing and it was not going to get them anywhere. And I knew that I was lying, but there, there was some payout and there was some of this gratification, the intermittent gratification. And I think you really, if you do get to know your team members well, you do care about them and you want what's best for them. Mm -hmm. The hard part is when you start to see that this is not what it promised it was going to be and you're still in it and you're still needing to kind of tout the party line. And in those moments, that wreaks havoc with your conscience. Uh, and there are times that people will tell me they just wanted to yell out, you know, don't listen. Don't listen. Right. I have to say this. I'm programmed to say this. I, you know, I don't totally believe it anymore. I, I need out. But, but I think the other part is, you know, and I'm, I'm just curious about this. Well, two things. One is, when you felt alone and isolated, like you were the one who were having doubts, as I'm sure you've experienced already and you've come to know, and I've seen in my work, there are many more people having questions and doubts than are able to let on about it um, because you're supposed to be so positive and so hopeful and, 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 and be a certain persona. And so there are others who are wondering if this was for them, but you just, you didn't know it. Right. Yeah. Just right. as people didn't know it about you. And I'm going to loop back just one second. Yeah. The concept of sunk cost is big in MLS because you've purchased this kit and you've purchased this inventory and you've invested this time and you've brought on these people and built up this, you know, all this investment that you've been into. And even though you can benefit so much more by not being a part of it, you can't mm -hmm. seem to let this part go because of, of the sunk cost that you've put into it. And so that happens at the end as well as you put all of this into it. You put everything, all of your guts and your sweat and nights up and whatever into this business and this group of people and this product. And then you're like, but if I let that go, that was all worth nothing. Um, and it feels, it feels like that. That's not necessarily true. But it does feel like if you were to cut it off at its knees, you're just throwing away what you've already worked for. Yes. Even though something better might be coming, you know, and mm -hmm. it took me convincing myself truly that something better was coming or that I could use that time to do something that I really enjoyed more or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. for that sunk cost to not be as heavy weighing on my decision. And I think that was um, that was a big turning point, too, is when I realized that that there could be more out there than 
and not less. It's not necessarily uh, you're giving this up and it's less. Right. Up and it's different or it's more or it's yes. whatever. Um, and I think the concept of sunk cost keeps people in a lot longer than yeah. they really want to be. Actually, my sponsor said that this morning. Right. Okay. So I stayed so much longer than I would have sure. um, because I had invested so much of myself into it. Yeah, I get that. And that's, yes, that's about a hundred percent of the time with the work that I do. Okay. So just about a hundred. That's a, that's a religion or anything. I think like you invest all of yourself into it and all of a sudden your beliefs around that change, you're like, Oh God, was that real? I think that's just a natural question that anyone would ask about any group. Um, yeah. It is. yeah. Right. The sunk costs and also the, all the sacrifices, not only just financially, the time, and all of it. And right. so, okay. So I'm curious, just as we finish up, about two things. One is the fear that you have, the fear about them coming after you, whether or not that's going to happen. How did that get instilled in you? Um, So the second you sign up, you sign an agreement that says, I mean, it's pages long. I'm the weirdo that read it, but I know that most people who sign up don't. And I told them all to read it. Mm-hmm. okay but how many times do we sign things that we haven't read when you're like oh okay yeah uh terms of use cool. yeah like, right you um, mean today yes today already yeah. twice uh-huh yeah, online exactly. yes twice. yeah uh-huh. we accept cookies cool <laughs> we just <laughs> keep right. moving right it's inconvenient right. to read the fine print sometimes absolutely the fine print is where they get you though um i don't actually think since i've i've made every attempt not to defame the company itself Mm-hmm. but to talk more about my experience within the culture of just the greater MLM community. Um, so I think I'm in the clear, but there is a sincere fear about talking about your experience because a, you're going to be, these companies have tons of money. I mean, they have money, money. You made them that money. Like they have money. So mm-hmm. it is nothing for them to send you, you know, paperwork. Um, right. And they have lawyers on staff as most big companies do. Um, who are very well versed in what they're legally allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Um, so there's, I know that they have that in their tool belt and that scares me a little bit. Um, okay. I also think that the MLM I was a part of would not come after me just because um, I did this and tried to do this in a really positive way, but that also could still be my, my, me being stuck in the positivity mindset. (laughs) Um, But then there's another fear about um, like what I said, like about people finding out that you were a fraud. There's a little bit of that feeling. Like, I don't, I don't think I was a fraud. I don't feel like a fraud, but I don't want people to think that about me because that's painful. Um, And if they do think that about me, I mean, that's their, that's, that's their choice. And that might've been their experience of me and that sucks. And I would love to make that right. But it, it was really hard to speak out because I knew I would be letting a lot of people down. Also, I had sold like $30,000 in product to people I knew and loved $30,000 of product to people I knew and loved. And so by quitting, it was like, thanks for all that. Never mind though. Like, it just felt like I had taken advantage of them. And that by leaving, it would magnify that a bit. I mean, I still had taken advantage of them regardless of whether or not I left. But leaving and talking about it, yeah, it opens me up for a lot of criticism. <laughs> and and that's okay. I think I can handle that. But like, there, there are a lot of places where people could say, well, you did this. You're saying this about this group, but you did it too. What does that say about you? 
Um, and sometimes facing those things are a little not fun, but um, I'm gonna use them as an opportunity to make amends if that comes up um, to say, I'm sorry. Like I, I didn't know what I know now. I would act differently now if I could. And, and I'm sorry that I hurt you. And I think that's the, it takes a lot of guts to say that to someone and it's painful sometimes. And I think people would just rather avoid it and not yes. and say, hey, I've grown a little bit and I see things differently. And I want to share that with you. Yeah. Just like every tutorial so far, like, you know, right. we talked about authenticity a lot, but we weren't exactly authentic all the time. Right. So some of these things just become words and, and they, they're words that give people a sense that they're doing good things and that they're kind of of this high caliber also in terms of their conscience and whatever else. So just to finish up, I know, and, and, you know, there's so much more to talk about and I, you know, there are many more stories I'm sure that you could share. And if you ever wanted to do that, please feel free to contact me and we'll have another episode uh, because there are a lot of memories that you're going to have about particular experiences. But I guess I want to say that in these situations, you do learn a lot about yourself. Uh, and sometimes you're not going to like what you see because you're looking back on having been duplicitous, potentially, where you knew that you know something was not okay, but you were still kind of engaged in the process of getting other people engaged in the process. And But what I see just from getting to know you in this brief time is... Uh, a lot of very positive qualities. Of course, they can be taken advantage of by these groups. That doesn't mean you should get rid of them. It just means you want to have a kind of a watchful eye for people who are going to zero in on those qualities because they're thinking, oh, we can really use this. Um, because you are uh, devoted to things. Once you get involved, you're involved. You work hard. You are motivational. You are good at sales. You care about your own future and you you care about other people's and the fact that what the the pill that you were given to your patients uh turned out to not work let's say but the selling it to you gave you all of these ideas about how it could work and initially some people did have positive responses to that pill um Uh and make you feel like it was all okay but without all the information then you were not able to make a fully educated decision about getting involved in this or not. So based on the information you had, you did what felt right and you thought what was going to be helpful to these people who you really cared about and also to securing your future. None of those things are bad. Uh, And so I hope if people do question you, that you're able to say the truth, which is, yeah, once I started to have this sense, once I had enough time go by where I could develop a little bit of a distance to have kind of a vantage point and look at the big picture and see that this wasn't what it said it was going to be. And I was still just squeaking by and other people were, you know, as well. And this wasn't affording me a, a good enough life or the people in my team a good enough life. That's when I started to make the shift. That's why I'm not doing it anymore. And that's a really important part of the story. I was encouraging people to dream big for themselves, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm oh. such a dreamer. I'm always the one that's like, hey, wouldn't this be cool if X, Y, Z? Like, I'm that one that will start that sentence this way all the mm-hmm. time. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, So so trying to get people to dream a little bigger for themselves is not inherently bad. Um, I think I was, I was really pushing my idea of what their life should look like on them. Um, And I don't like that. Um, I've apologized to a lot of people because I'm like, I kind of expected you to be this and that wasn't fair. And I'm really sorry. Like, (laughs) but um, I, I do hope that I think in any, in any regard, in anything in life, if you learn something new, which hopefully mm-hmm. you do daily, just anything, yeah, that you apply it to your life and you apply it to the context that you know about the world around you and you make wise decisions with that information. And I think that's what Audrey a year and a half ago did. And it, I mean, really, it's been a year and a half and I'm still like working through a lot of this, obviously. So I guess I hope people are listening and they've been out for a while and they're still feeling this. They're like, okay. Cool. Right on track. Exactly. We're yeah. On this well, I think when something is such an intense experience, it leaves like a, a hangover for a while. It does feel like a hangover, kind of. Yeah. Okay. All right. But we'll hopefully we'll be able to talk again. And I so appreciate you opening up about your experience, but also the after effect and what you're grappling with. And um, I think you've done so much just by sharing this and having people hear the story and hopefully they'll share it with their friends and have people really understand now a little bit more about what to watch out for yeah i hope so i hope it's been helpful (laughs) oh i think yes thank you uh all right so hopefully we'll be able to talk again let's do it all righty sounds good thank you okay okay bye-bye okay bye For the one more thing before you go, I want to thank Pop Sugar for rating this podcast number one of the top 11 must listen podcasts about cults. And we here at the podcast are very proud of this show and are truly gratified by the recognition. Truly. And I'm so grateful to the guests who have been on the show and have wanted to tell their story and all the ones who are lined up to tell their story next, who you'll get to hear from soon. We have now a lot of people who have contacted us and want to be able to share their experiences and share their insights. So there are a lot more stories to come. I do need to mention, though, that it will not be possible to continue the podcast if we don't get more support. This is in no way begging. It's just being very real. I am determined to be able to keep this free for listeners. That was something that I made a promise to myself to do when I first started this. All the wonderful people who have decided to help support its production are appreciated beyond measure. Yet, I do need to be honest. The amount... I am able to get from these important patrons still only covers about less than half of the costs of the production of each podcast episode each week, and the rest I pay for out of pocket, which I have been happy to do so far, but I have what I call a nice problem, and this is what I mean. I didn't know when I first started if the show was going to be a go. And so I said that I would be able to budget it for a while on my own. 
but the show has touched a nerve and seems to have filled a void and provides people with support and insights and what they call their weekly therapy from my guests who have been brave enough and who have been open enough to be able to tell their story. And a lot of people say that it sustains them and strengthens them, and it helps to direct them to make decisions that are good for them in their lives. But because it's been recognized on lists like the one from Pop Sugar and also on Oprah's list and the like, I wanted to be able to continue for as long as it can for all of you and for all the new listeners to come each week. So I truly need your help to make that possible. I'm not just saying it. Please take a moment and go to patreon.com indoctrination and become a patron for any amount you can, anything that fits your budget. This is my show, but it's your show too. So let's make this happen together. And now, one more thing before you go. And it turns out the title, One More Thing Before You Go, is kind of perfect for this segment. I want to be able to talk about what makes people ready to go. Some people leave groups without a choice. They're kicked out, banished, pushed out. That's very hard. And then there are those like Audrey who say one day, enough. And even if it happens in a way that feels sudden to the people in the group or to the business in this case, it's rarely kind of a sudden departure or a sudden decision for the person leaving. Usually the idea of leaving has been percolating for quite some time, but they put it away or they were just kept too busy with the group and their responsibilities to really focus on all their thoughts and all their evidence about reasons to leave. And also because they're too scared to act on it. And they're too scared to even let on to anyone in the group that they're even considering it. Same goes for people in abusive relationships. The thought about leaving comes from reaching a tipping point, either something that happens that is so upsetting or disturbing, or by having so many moments happening that have felt wrong, or by being pushed to do so many things that started to feel so wrong that the cumulative impact of it all makes it impossible to feel right about staying. But then you have to battle three things and more. First, the fear you feel about leaving and how you're going to be treated, how you know you're going to be treated, and the fear that then you're really saying goodbye to this promise of magic and that the promise of magic had been a lie. And you're also afraid of the isolation you're going to experience that you're desperate to avoid and you've been desperate to avoid for as long as possible because you know the people who have been a part of your community, your life every day, every day, will avoid you like the plague and the silence will be deafening. And then the third thing in a list of many things that you face is not knowing what to do next, where to go. And how do you face people who were kind of against you being involved in this from the beginning and maybe they were right? 
And how do you start to rebuild your life if you feel you just spent many years and spent your money and had your trust abused and used and you're exhausted and angry and sad and suddenly unanchored? I highlight all of this because I want you to know how hard it is to do what people like Audrey did, especially when you're in a position of leadership like she was because you can feel guilt on top of it all that you usually unknowingly roped people into a system that was set up to take advantage of them. Some people need help leaving systems of control and others leave on their own. Both take strength and courage. Whether you do it on your own or leave because someone has presented you with real information about the group that you just can't disagree with or ignore anymore. But Audrey's decision to leave actually reminds me of a quote by Anna Quinlan. I read and walked for miles along the beach, searching for someone wonderful to step out of the darkness and change my life. And it never crossed my mind that that person could be me. Talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening. Tired of ads? Well, listen or download this show for free on NPR's Radio Public app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please support Indoctrination at patreon.com indoctrination. We have over 100 interviews that you can access with any donation. Subscribers receive bonus interviews and other cool goodies. And we love hearing from you too. So send us an email at indoctrinationshow at gmail.com. Thank you for your support.